0: Another day in draft world, and it is crazy as ever. We're going to continue to comb through the latest news and all the market movement uh, with Connor Allen and Scott Smith. We have a guest for you today as well. We're going to touch on all the wild stuff going on as we approach draft day. Let's get it going. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Move the Line. And the uh, chat is right. Always take the over on the start time for us here. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined as always to talk the draft, Connor Allen and Scott Smith. And we have a guest for you today. It's actually one of the best mock drafters in the space, three years running. It's our friend, Fantasy Law Guy, at Fantasy Law Guy on Twitter. It is Nick Garacero. Nick, welcome to the show. You look very fancy. I got a backwards hat on today. You're like, you got a shirt and tie, and there's definitely like accomplishments behind you. Uh, what's going on, buddy? Welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, I'm in my classroom right now, so I just finished work and I got to say it was uh, I enjoy teaching. I love it. It's my passion. Um, I'm also an attorney, but I just transitioned to switch teaching. I got to say, though, it was a tough day to be in the classroom without a phone uh, with everything that went on uh, today in the in the betting in the draft world.
0: Uh, I think Bobby Schmurter is telling you he's uh, I could see some of your your registration numbers behind you. So you want to make sure, you know, you dull your screen here. (laughs) This is this is not someone you want to trust with uh, information that you need uh, kept secret. He's he's not not on the up and up, but uh, he's probably totally messing with you. But, yeah, we're excited to uh, be back. If you've uh, hanging out with us for the first time on YouTube, we appreciate it. Like the show. I uh, like the channel here for four bets. We'll have lots of betting content here. Uh, continue it again. We'll have another show tomorrow. Anthony Mico of ETR will be joining us to talk about the draft um, podcast Form rate review, all those things, five stars. Appreciate it very much. Uh, betting subscription is the way to get all the picks that Scott Connor and I are pushing out Uh John Daigle as well. Four for com slash plans uh, gets you access to a full betting subscription. Everything on the site at four four four. If you're playing best ball, uh, if you bet on any sport, you know, Scott crushes MMA, uh very plugged in there and has been killing it for a very long time. Uh, if you want to do season-long stuff still, you're still grinding, you know, traditional leagues, all that for you with the betting subscription of four for four. You can partner with us, you through our partners, five dollars. Literally, literally five dollars. Okay, you like I can't get a drink at Starbucks for less than five dollars, but you can get a betting subscription for three months. It's gonna take you through all the draft stuff. You'll get us through the summer, you hang out with us for the NBA draft. Connor and I are gonna start going back and forth about Brandon Miller and Scoot uh, Henderson here soon enough on uh, all those things. Go over to the App Store, download Vivid. It's our uh, Pick'Em site. Uh, you can use promo code 444BET. Minimum deposit of $5, up to $200 match bonus there too. Uh, and you'll get an email on how to access a betting subscription to 444. So, all right guys, uh, we got new Reddit accounts. Uh, we got market movements. We have all sorts of stuff to go on here. Uh, Nick, I will kick it to you. Uh, what do we do here with what's come of the Will Levis news uh, in the last 24 hours or so Uh, we have been talking about it. And we did a mock with VR on Friday where we discussed and and landed on Levis two to the Texans with some pretty, really pretty good Intel. Uh, Again, I feel like the market will definitely tell you that that's where it's moved, but uh, we can go on and on about that. But let's just talk about the, Uncle Ronnie uh, conversations with what's going on with uh, Will Levis being the number one pick and what do you interpret from any of that?
1: Yeah, I, like I mentioned, I was, I was teaching during it, but I came across all of it and I honestly couldn't believe as I was scrolling up through our thread of like hundreds of text messages and stuff like, and, and, and Twitter messages, I honestly couldn't believe really what I was reading. Uh, Now I will admit I am uh, every April I go on the Reddit forums, I like to go on every single team's forum and see what the see if there's any nuggets that any Reddit users are saying that I can find valuable. Now, normally, it's not really the case, but occasionally, like, you know, I'll go to the Lions forum and see, oh, well, you know, they like to draft this position. And with this measurable, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll put it in my notes. Uh, So it was kind of funny that it was Reddit today, some random user really tilting the entire sports betting market. Um, luckily the storm had kind of passed by the time I was able to really access my phone. And by that point, a couple of people, I think Jay Glazer had already reported that, Hey, Bryce Young actually is the pick indeed. Uh, I don't know about this uncle guy, but you know, I, I think it's going to be, um, I, I think it's going to be Bryce Young there. So I personally didn't make any bets. I haven't changed anything in my moth draft. I still have Levis. Going to, uh, I mean, I'm wavering or, or waffling between pick two and four. Uh, right now, I currently have him at pick four to Indianapolis. But, yeah, really no change uh, for me there. But, yeah, Le- Levis is picking up a lot of steam, as you mentioned. Uh, I do think he's going to land in the top four picks.
0: Connor, we tried to get the guy on. Uh, he's not responded to, uh, to come on and join us in the show and, and kind of back up his uh, his firsthand. It sounds like a firsthand account. Will Levis himself told him, Uh, That Carolina told him that he is going number one. But uh, what are your thoughts of kind of what's transpired since and and how to capitalize on it or make any sense of it?
2: Yeah. So for those who are completely unaware this morning, uh, around eight hours ago from now, we had a guy named Sale Agreeable 2834 post on Reddit Sportsbook saying, Will Levis is currently 40 to one to be the first overall pick. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he's telling friends and family Carolina will in fact take him on Thursday. You're welcome. Period. Uh, there are now 1.3 thousand comments on this Reddit thread. Uh, I screenshotted that and then looked at his comments. And if you look through his comments there, he said, oh, I'm like one of his friends, you know, Carolina just put up a smoke screen with Bryce for two weeks. They're taking him. So I'm putting as much money down as possible. And people on Reddit are buying it. You know, they think this is the next game stop. They're like pumped to just like ride this shit to the moon. Think that they're going to be, you know, making, getting rich off of it. I mean, I think it's complete bullshit, but like, you know, I think this guy, he made his Reddit account seven days ago. Scott and I both messaged him. This guy made his Reddit account seven days ago. His other post in between posting this was about like an actor's physique and whether he would be casted enough for the Joker in the new uh, Batman movie. So hence the, uh, <laughs> hence the thumbnail here from, uh, that, uh, Sal made with Will Levis's face in the Joker. I know Josh Norris tweeted that out as well. um, so yeah, Long didn't read. Will Levis is being cast as the Joker, um, um, but he's not going to number one overall, guys. So I'm I'm willing to, to that pretty confident. Scott, where are you at on all
0: this nonsense?
3: Look, as a uh, connoisseur of uh, ancient aliens and conspiracy theories, I am uh, firmly entrenched in the theory that this is the former Texans coach, Lovey Smith. <laughs> sitting back undercover with a beer in his hand laughing his ass off at everybody because he's the one who has us in this position right now where we're wondering and trying to figure out they would have just lost one more game houston would have the number one pick it'd be bryce young one stroud number two and the rest of this shit would be like figured out and we'd have some clarity so that's the conspiracy theory i'm going with uh we did reach out to him kind of as a gag just to see if he would respond naturally he didn't it would have been Awesome to go ahead and have him on the show. If, if he would have reached out and and uh, said anything, but look, we're we're still in the same boat that we're in. Um, essentially, there's there's four players that you're looking at there at two, and it's Stroud, it's Levis. Levis has been getting more, you know, on the quarterback side, uh, you know, and, and uh, we talked about it you know, from a defensive standpoint. It's Will Anderson and, and Tyree Wilson. Um, Tyree Wilson seems to have gotten a, a clearance as far as like his medicals go with Houston, and then. Just an hour ago, Daniel Jeremiah on a local Houston radio station was saying that there's he'd be absolutely shocked if it's not a quarterback at two. And his reasoning behind this is simply that you're not going to have a chance to draft a quarterback after two if you pass on him for a defensive player. If you're thinking he's going to like drop to 12 then it's unlikely and you'd be unsure of that happening. If you're thinking that you're going to go ahead and move up, whether it be from 12 to 3, 12 to 7, if you value the player that much to move up, then you should value him enough to draft him at 2. So logically, that makes sense to me. I still tend to think that Stroud's a little bit better or higher up on my evaluations than what I have Will Levis be in. But, you know, we've kind of had sources reach out and and tell us that Levis is entrenched as the number two quarterback on Houston's board. So like if you're going to go in one of these two camps, you're going to have to make a decision. I think it's either going to be Levis or, you know, you're split between Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson. And right now it seems like it's going to be Tyree Wilson over Anderson.
0: Yeah, Connor, what do you make of that? Do you make of anything um, in terms of what we saw from, and Eric asked in the chat here too, from uh, Frank Wright's press conference today, feeling pretty good about the Bryce Young stuff. But, uh, you know, I think that the Daniel Jeremiah stuff, and we're reading some of the tea leaves as we talked before before we went live uh, around what we're anticipating Daniel Jeremiah's mock looks like tomorrow morning. Since he stated today, it's already in. Um, so again, like that could be a little stale, but that sounds like, Based off of that interview in the Houston radio, uh, that sounds like he's probably going to have a quarterback there.
2: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him have CJ Stroud there. To be honest, I think I like I because if he's so entrenched that it's going to be a quarterback, I mean he has CJ Stroud higher. He thinks he's a better quarterback. He's gone to record saying that. Uh, unless he gets some intel here, and we've already talked about it before the show, that I mean Jeremiah's missed on Houston's pick. I mean. I mean, he missed both times last year. I don't think that he's especially plugged in there outside of being especially plugged in for the rest of the league. Uh, in terms of two, uh, I think that right now we're looking at two things I feel really good about. That's Nick Casario is on the hot seat uh, and that the owner did step in and hired D'Amico Ryans. And then on the other hand, we have that Louis Levis is their number two quarterback on the board. So like you factor those two things in. Does that mean that the owner steps in and tells them you have to draft a quarterback. Does that mean the Nick Casario feels like I'm going to lose my job if I don't have a quarterback? It does. Like, you know, there's, there's all these different factors that how we all interpret those, I, I think can vary. And that's kind of why I think we have varying opinions in the space right now. So yeah, like that's kind of where I'm at. And I th- I think that it's going to be a quarterback, but if we're looking at, you know, all the factors here, like, I mean, Casario, I think if you gave him a long-term solution, if you gave him like two years for sure, he's absolutely taking Tyree Wilson at number two or at uh, or Will Anderson. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to hear Nick's opinion on this whole thing and how it's kind of shaken out.
1: Um, I think the best argument for the tech, I found the most persuasive argument for the Texans passing on a quarterback uh, being that the Lance Zerline himself reported that the pick was for sale. And it kind of jives with, I believe, what uh, you were saying earlier, Connor, it might have been Scott, but somebody was saying earlier that, oh, well, if the Texans, if Daniel Jeremiah is saying that the Texans won't get their quarterback at 12, why would you wait to 12? Why wouldn't you feel confident enough to take him at two? It kind of jives with that because I think that if the text, the quarterback is the most important position of all sports. You don't sit there and tell people, tell teams that your pick is for sale if you plan to take a quarterback there. Because if you have a quarterback that you like, you know, you're going to take them. So to me, I think that's probably the most persuasive argument that they will pass on a quarterback. And the second most persuasive argument, in my opinion, is what just happened an hour ago, right around the same time that Daniel Jeremiah uh, stated that he expects the quarterback, um, the Texans to take a quarterback. Uh, Lance Erline tweeted, who's probably the most reliable Texan s- source out there, uh, tweeted that it was kind of like a, I don't know if the hay was in the barn, but it was kind of like a, I told you so tweet. That's how I interpret it, that Tyree Wilson is a strong consideration. And me reading the tweet kind of, My assumption was he's going to mock Wilson in his final mock uh, to the Texans at pick two. So I don't know whether they traded or not. I think that's a factor as well. Like maybe if you're torn in terms of mock strategy, if you're torn between uh, Wilson and Levis, uh, which I kind of am, maybe the tiebreaker is that the Texans could trade the pick and they still want to. And then another team is more inclined to take levis probably rather as opposed to trading up for wilson so i see to me it's it's looking like will anderson's probably not going to the pick not going to be the pick despite the alabama connections there with cesario and even domico ryan's but but uh so to me i just moved tyree wilson there after seeing lance's tweet and uh that was after me having levis there for the last i don't know i want to say 48 hours so it's very fluid and the fact that Jeremiah and Zerline are competing against each other is just speaks to the unpredictability here. the The, the board is wide open at pick two. It's funny because I think we could have had this. We could have guessed that we would have this level of unpredictability
2: because last year we didn't know at all. But now it's just that the Texans have so much more of a consequential pick at number two instead of three, where we're like, oh, maybe they'll pick Evan Neal or some offensive lineman or maybe a corner, but like it doesn't really matter that much. Now, I mean. It's a a draft altering decision where if they go with Tyree at two, from our understanding, you know, the Cardinals like Tyree, they don't particularly like Will Anderson. And so do they go with Paris Johnson if they're not able to trade down? Because Shager said, like they're trying to, but they don't really have any offers that they're super excited about. So if they stay put at three, like what are they doing there? Where on the vice versa, like if the Texans take Levis at two, I think they'd probably just take Tyree at three. So it's like a you know completely alters the the, the outlook of the draft there. Uh, and this is also worth noting too as well. Uh, DJ said last night he'd be floored if it was Levis at two. Uh, he said this on the show. I, I remember posting the clip. I sent it to you guys as well. And he said, "Yeah, not surprised, but absolutely shocked." So I mean, the math there just kind of isn't you know mathing because if it's if he's floored that it would be Levis, but he's also floored if they didn't take a QB. He's, so he's kind of quartering
0: himself into Stroud, right? Right. Uh, this is where. The having a big board and having take lock in terms of talent evaluation and player evaluation becomes problematic because the first and only DJ mock we've had all year had Will Levis in 19. So it's indicative of where he thought Will Levis is as a player. So it's really hard for him to have that type of eval as a player. And I don't mean this to, to knock Lance Zerline or Daniel Jeremiah. They're all super plugged in, they've been doing this for a very long time, they have connections and sources. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I'm not poking holes in it. But DJ had icky aquanu going to the Texans last year. So not only didn't they not take him, he didn't have the position right. So it's not like he his sources there are like infallible and locked in. Um Zerline as well. Like Zerline nailed it last year. If you look back in previous years, Zerline has not been like just someone that we have to take it as gospel for sure. He was first last year in those guys. He deserves credit. He's plugged in. I'm not poking holes in, in him being sourced. But a lot of things that make that kind of lineup make sense to me. So the one thing that is was interesting to me today is that we had heard on Friday uh, in some back channels and, and some of the sourcing that got us on Levis to begin with it too is that the Patriots were very, very interested in Will Levis and trading up. They loved him coming in. They brought him in and loved him. Um, The other teams that seem to love Will Levis are the Raiders. There's some New England corollary there. And the Texans, who also obviously Nick Casario, there's a lot of uh, New England ties there as well. So like that dot connecting is not very hard to understand that all of a sudden because – and I talked to Scott about this before we got going. Like Ben Solak was talking about this the other day too, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is that these quarterbacks were all pretty bunched up a little bit before the Combine. And what happened was, is when we had to trade with Carolina to move up to select one, and we had this like instant, like dot connecting of CJ Stroud, everyone's perception of who was next outside of Bryce Young was that it was then Stroud. So then it became, it's really weird for people to be like, well, why would we be talking about Will Levis? It's clearly CJ Stroud. Whereas I don't think that that's how everyone sees it because of some of the helmet scouting and, uh, you know, he's throwing to the best wide receiver core that he'll ever have in his entire life. There are holes. And the Will Levis thing is like, hey, he played in a at college in a Liam Cohen, Sean McVay system. you were going to bring Will Levis in house. He's going to get on the whiteboard and he's going to talk NFL in a way that's very different than Anthony Richardson and in the way that C.J. Stroud is doing it. And so I'm not shocked. I, I think it's just we kind of the way our minds shifted when the C.J. Stroud stuff start, started to steam up. I think changed everyone's perception of of Will Levis. So I'm, I'm I feel. A little bit more confident than ever. that I feel like it's going to be Will Levis, and I know that I'm fine. A little bit out on the islands. Um, I, I have some some hedges with uh, with with Tyree Wilson, but uh, man, I just you can't when your two division rivals are also in the mix for the same player, the same position. Kicking the can down the road to 12 or to another year seems like a really bad way to manage a team, even though you have a quarter, a new coach with a long leash and all these different things, I just feel like you have to adjust the position. It's a tough sell to go in last year with Davis Mills to run it back with Davis Mills and case Keenum and what Jeff Driscoll in the red zone. Again, seems like a really bad way to build a roster. And we have really smart teams talking about every year. You should be taking shots every other year, take a shot at the quarterback position. Cause that's, that's, we know the code having a, a serviceable quarterback on a rookie deal is how you can really propel yourself from last to first in a quick, quick way. So, I think it's Will Levis. I think he's clearly their their uh, quarterback too. And we'll see what happens with DJ and Lance. And those mocks should be respected. But um, I don't know. I feel pretty good about it. And I, I I think that the Mac trade makes a ton of sense. I don't love it as a Patriots fan. I think Mac is getting the hose, uh, and should have a chance to be able to go out and show what he did as a rookie. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I feel I feel like it's Lance, and uh, I'll I'll end up mocking Lance. Um, and I'm probably going to not really Levis, hedge right? off of Levis. it. I'm sorry, Lance, uh, Will Levis. I'll be mocking Will Levis. <laughs> you're going to mock Lance Deerline uh, I'm not going to mock Lance, or, Lance or, uh, or Trey Lance. Uh, I will be lo- be mocking uh, Will Levis to the uh, Texans. So, so sorry, I took the floor for a long time, Connor, but uh, that was some of the stuff that's been kind of uh, percolating here for the last No, I think hour, we're,
2: so. we're all pretty much in agreement there for the most part. So Nick, you did say, though, that you're probably going to have Tyree in your final mock, correct?
1: Uh, I did not say that. I currently have him right now is what I said, but I'm still, yeah, Levis is definitely in consideration. I did mention that those are the two players that it's really coming down to uh, in my uh, opinion, but I did make the switch today to Wilson. Um, But I think that there are great arguments to be made. Ryan just made several of them that it probably could be uh, Levis as well. It's not one that, I think hedging is is probably an accurate word to describe about how I've approached the uh, the second pick. I have some Levis bets and I also have some Tyree bets. So,
0: yeah. So, I don't know it's going to be interesting, and I think it's it's worth all the time because it is such an inflection point on what happens. It's a forward, massive right?
1: domino for mock drafting yeah. because it really you're gonna you're gonna be a quarterback behind, and that's gonna be reflective that's going to have be consequential for a lot of picks. I think the most accurate mock drafts, obviously it's harder to go in terms of mock draft strategy. Obviously it's exponentially more difficult after the top 10 as the draft goes on to hit on picks. And so if you don't get your top 10, right, at least probably five or six in the top 10 uh, you're at a massive disadvantage in terms of competing with other experts like you guys. And, And it's just, and and you know thousands of other mock drafters out there who are submitting to these contests. Uh, you really have to hit on about five or six of your top ten players, and if you miss pick two, I, I'm freaking out about it. I'm very nervous about it, honestly, because if you miss it, it really can set you back in a major way, to where you're going to have to make up to it uh, for it by hitting on picks later, and the odds against the odds are more against you than it would be. Uh, hitting on early picks, the mocks that hit on the first three picks last year, like Stingley uh, being third pick, especially uh, did fared a lot better um, because there weren't a, a ton of matches uh, after that top 10, typically, unlike the standard matches.
0: Yeah, the other part I missed, I think Mike Girardi from uh, I believe it works for the NFL Network plugged into uh, New England sports. Was tweeting out today about the Will Levis uh, New England love, uh, and you go into the comment section, it's like why you're trolling, you're doing anything for clicks. But I think that there is some there there. Again, no, I'm
1: buying that. I, yeah. Ryan, I'm absolutely buying that. I'm sorry to cut in, but I, I'm very strong on that. In fact, I'm not only applying it to the Texans, I'm mainly applying it to the Raiders at seven as well in terms of my analysis and predictions there, because I think that the fact that they came, a lot of that front office came from New England. Is strongly indicative of the players that they may target there. Devin Withers, Devin, Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback there. I think New England would love, and the- therefore, I think the Raiders are probably going to love. Not to mention cornerback, uh, the cornerback's position of need. Uh, Peter Skoronsky, I-, I feel an offensive line in general. Uh, those are prior priorities for Bill Belichick in New England. So, yeah, I mean, I'm applying this further than just the Texans and Cesario there. I mean, this goes to the Raiders Is for me. I'm not going to be mocking anybody to the Raiders that I don't think Bill Belichick and New England would take themselves.
0: Yeah, the trickle-down effect, as you mentioned, in terms of some over-unders with the way guys shift down the board. Connor, Scott, and I were talking about some things earlier today where we start to feel really solid about whether it's Levis or some other stuff there in the top five. Um, There ends up probably being a number of plays that come from us right after that. Because then that kind of, you know, just once we feel locked in, uh, there'll be a few different things that we can confidently push out to subscribers uh, through our Discord. So, uh, Scott, where are you at with uh, some of the next stuff? And, I you know, you can take it wherever you want. I would love to get Nick's uh, circle back with Nick after and talk about the um, Seahawks and Lions in the quarterbacks position there. But uh, I'll let you have the floor, Scott. Take it wherever you want.
3: Yeah, the one last thing I, I would talk about w- with Houston that, that gives me a little bit of pause for concern is that uh, when I talk, start talking about Casario as the the GM for, for Houston, he has now not gotten any of the coaching hires that he wanted. So if he doesn't even have the authority to pull the string on the coaches that he wants to hire, what's making us think that he's really going to be the one pulling the trigger here for Houston as far as the pick goes? So that's just one other you know thought that I that I kind of have as far as like Houston but you know I think I think the next really spot that we have to look at is, is Arizona and, and they're kind of getting held up with all of this stuff that's going on at one and two and and, and the thought process there I think if CJ Stroud does happen to fall you should have a team that wants to go ahead and move up whether it be Tennessee or even Detroit that, that I've talked about for like a few weeks um, there has been some some rumors that Detroit's the absolute floor for uh, CJ Stroud so you could even have the Raiders move up possibly. There's a lot of options there. And, and I, I think the one thing that has stuck out to me throughout this entire draft process is that the Cardinals with their visits have used a lot of visits to go ahead and, and look at offensive line, specifically offensive tackle. And we we've had some some information about Paris Johnson being highly valued by even another team that's willing to move up to three. We had some information come out that you know Kyler Murray's interested in, in Paris Johnson. So when you start kind of looking and and mapping out where some of these players are going to go you know paris johnson might not go three but are the cardinals when they're open to go ahead and move down whether that be with the raiders at seven are they going to move down far enough to where they might miss out on paris johnson if he is their guy outside of those those top defensive ends
0: and you have kyler murray coming out and stating specifically by name uh that he wants Paris johnson uh in house too which is again you know uh He's got a long leash. He's got a nice contract that should state that he should probably have a little bit of say. Uh, Connor, where are you at with this stuff?
2: Yeah. uh, Eric mentioned Paris Johnson top five plus 500. Uh, I don't hate it. I mean, it's not something that I think that there's a massive amount of value on, but kind of like we talked to talked about at the beginning here. uh, If Tyree's not there, I don't genuinely know what they're going to do if uh, they're at pick three and they're not able to trade down. So yeah, I don't think it's a terrible look. I kind of like the Cardinals drafting draft an offensive lineman uh first pick, regardless. That's like plus two hundred. It's only a DraftKings right now because they've been I think they're scared about this. But <clears throat> like kind of what Scott said, they've been doing a lot of work on offensive linemen. If they trade back, I would say it's like ninety percent they're taking offensive linemen as long as they're in the range for any of their offensive linemen. If they don't trade back, I still think like if Tyree's gone, which it seems like where there's a decent chance of that at this point. I know where you guys are on the outside looking in for that, but still like there's still a chance to take Paris Johnson there. So I think there's like multiple outs for that kind of bet. And I, I'm still confident they're able to get something done. They probably just take, you know, half of the normal amount of value because when it comes down to it, like when they're going to look at this draft in hindsight, would they rather have, you know, pick 11 and maybe an extra second or something like that, or just pick three. Like if they have these guys all kind of grouped together and they don't really value Tyree Wilson as like a true difference maker, you know, like, maybe they decide that it's worth it still move down to 11 or 7 or something like that now the question is why did the Raiders or Titans want to move up is that still actually true Uh, and that's something I'm not entirely sure about so that's I'm wavering on it a little bit but I still think that like two to one isn't a bad look if they do trade down at all I feel pretty good about them going offensive line.
1: yeah I'm buying the interest in Paris Johnson as well um uh, for Arizona I think like Scott mentioned the visits are pretty indicative of what they might be interested in. Uh, they are reminding me last year of uh, when the Texans picked Kenyon green, a lot of people, not Lance Airline, but a lot of people were surprised. Uh, I was surprised, especially with where they picked them. Uh, but I was looking back at my notes from last year, because I like to just see, you know, should I have assumed that this was coming? Maybe not. But there was a stat that really stuck out. I tracked the offensive line starts the Texans were last place last year in the amount of uh, possible starts for their starting five offensive linemen to start the year. They were 32nd, meaning basically their offensive line was torn up by injuries that year. Well, this year's team that's 32nd is the Arizona Cardinals. So to me, it kind of it's just reminding me that sometimes mocking the draft can be a little more simple than a lot of experts like to believe. Like, I like to start first thing, like, do they need offense more or do they need defense, right? And it's not that, okay, I'm gonna eliminate all offensive players there. But, you know, I I like to just see from a threshold perspective, you know, do they need offense, more defense? And then what are the positions they really need the most? The, The hard part about Arizona is that, Nobody's really questioning that they need an offensive tackle. They have Beacham there, but he's older, and it's more like a one-year deal. And then, uh, and then obviously, Humphreys got hurt last year. and missed like half the season. So nobody's really – and then Josh Jones, a free agent, 24. Nobody is really questioning that they need an offensive tackle. The hard part about Arizona is that they also have massive needs at cornerback, which is Gonzalez and Witherspoon, right there if they trade down, and also, obviously, defensive end. Right. So or defensive line altogether. We could be here all
0: day listing the uh, needs of. uh, Right. Yeah, that's true.
1: But the three primary needs. Yeah, you have Will Anderson. So but I do find it weird that uh, the Cardinals did not travel to Alabama pro day. I I thought that that was a little weird. I don't think they're interested in Will Anderson. If I had to bet the trade down targets would be it would be Christian Gonzalez and and Paris Johnson Jr. So, yeah, I'm buying the Arizona interest in, in Paris Johnson, maybe at three. Uh, I think they'd obviously like to trade down but they don't love it I, I could see it I could see it at three I really could
0: what a disaster just yeah I know I'm three. not saying no I know it, I I don't I don't disagree with you I just we talked about it a little bit yesterday like and Connor briefly mentioned it there you take 50 cents on the dollar from whatever the trade charts tell right. you you gotta do you gotta get more stuff because you were about to list literally every position on the roster Outside of quarterback, uh, and then I think that quarterback is a viable conversation as well. Yeah, uh, but it's a whole nother topic for another show. But yeah, I, yeah it's a worse yeah, case scenario. Yeah. yeah, it is for sure, and I think it gets weakened by other than a quarterback going to right. There's just fewer uh, options the board for teams to want to trade up to. So, yeah, it's it's a very very interesting spot too. This is why it doesn't stop with the questions at two to me like. Who trades up to three is, is very interesting. Uh Stroud versus Richardson at four. Um, theoretically, if Levis is gone, where we feel like Levis is the Colts' preference at four. If he's off the board, yeah. do they like Stroud or Richardson more? No one's really had no one has a, a great feel for that. Uh, and then really we keep talking about like Scott mentioned Tom McShay mentioning that CJ Stroud absolute like parachute situation is six to Detroit, and then you have teams that'll tell you, you know, Seattle is like quarterback, yes or no. Jalen Carter, yes or no? We have no idea really what's going on there. Like, I just don't feel really confident on any of the reporting. Um, Connor, is there anything that you've kind of gleaned in the last 24, 48 hours about really, I guess, anything here in the top six that we've talked about so far? I mean, is it
2: too much like Galaxy branding to bet CJ Stroud sixth overall? It's like 12 to one. I think there's like a very real scenario where it happens. I know that it seems a little crazy from where we came before, but if we go to the scenario that, the Texans don't take Will Levis and, you know, two and three end up being defensive players. Will Levis goes four. are the Seahawks going to take CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson? They've been way more linked to Anthony Richardson and potentially could take Jalen Carter, potentially could take, well, you know, I don't think they're going to take Jalen Carter, but you know, like people are saying they could, um, or they take Anthony Richardson then Stroud sitting there at six. I mean, he's 12 to one. Like, I don't think that that's that crazy compared to the odds. Um, so I don't know, just, you know, just a thought there. I mean, I've asked, I sprinkled. You know, six, seven, and eight, just because the odds were long enough. And I think that he legit could face like a draft day fall. Now watch him fall to like 11 or some crazy shit. But um that was kind of like I, I just keep thinking more about these like different volatile scenarios here. And I think Will Anderson kind of fits in the same bucket of a guy where we just talked about Texans don't want him at three, Cardinals don't or Texans don't want him at two, Cardinals don't want him at three, he's not going four. Seahawks would probably love him at five, but I mean Again, there's another scenario where maybe they prefer a quarterback in Anthony Richardson, or maybe they're higher on Tyree Wilson, and Tyree somehow falls to five instead, and you know the top four end up being quarterbacks. And then you're looking at what Will Anderson six. I mean, there's some crazy scenarios, and he's like eight to one, you know, to be six overall pick. I think that those two guys specifically are are really volatile. And one last one that I found interesting, I kind of like Anthony Richardson to be a top five pick or under five and a half plus money. It, it can be. Um, I think there's a chance that he can goes four if Will Levis goes two. And I think there's a chance the Seahawks just straight up like him over any of the other defensive players, maybe even over Willie Anderson or anyone else at five. So I feel like you have two reasonable outs there. If we get more confirmation of Levis two. I would be really interested in under five and a half.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great look anyway. I have interest in, I think we've played a little bit of uh, under four and a half too. Um, again, if you can get plus money on the five and a half, I think that that gives you an extra out. The Seahawks have not had a double digit, uh sack guy on the team since frank clark i think in 2017 so they have been really without this uh and then they had a draymond jones and free agency to kind of fill a little bit more of the interior defensive line doesn't mean that they don't need more but like they just don't have a lot of pass rushing on the team so i i can understand why they would be enamored with a will uh, anderson kind of falling down to them a little bit too but again like this is why these teams feel like they're luxury picks in terms of what seattle and detroit can do so uh we're waiting on the raiders news do the are the raiders still interested in the corner uh in a quarterback if one can be available we've heard corner uh, and as we mentioned like really outside of like nate hobbs they don't really have anything on the roster at corner but like we could do what nick was going to do with arizona with the raiders as well they really have a like just a plethora of needs uh scott anything that you're hearing or feeling about the raiders as we currently sit here
3: i've heard through multiple different different areas that it, Devin Witherspoon is the guy that they, they are super interested in. Um, we've had some back channels that, that, you know, through our sources that have had that, that. But I think when you start looking at some of the mainstream media that have come out with their mock drafts, I think Bucky Brooks had them at Devin Witherspoon to the Raiders. I think uh, Peter King. Devin Witherspoon to the Raiders. Um, you know, I've, I've seen a mock draft that Ben Standig did on, on his podcast. It was Devin Witherspoon to the Raiders, so you're starting to get a lot of smoke there. And I, I think the only out that you have for him not to go to the seven at the Raiders is if they, they either move up um, for a quarterback, which I, I don't, it would take a specific quarterback for that to happen, or if he goes there to Detroit, and I just tend to think that Detroit are going to have players that they value positionally ranked higher than what Devin Witherspoon is there. And then the, the other thing I fall back on is at 18, there's still going to be like cornerback talent there for them to go. Emmanuel Forbes is a guy that, that they have been connected to throughout this process, um, even before Forbes started getting a lot of the steam um, to be a first round pick, so I, I tend to think that Devin Witherspoon sitting there at seven makes a lot of sense.
0: We can't steam Emmanuel Forbes too much; he will literally fall over. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm open to that too because we've been kind of you know systematically locking onto Devin Witherspoon. But I kind of agree that the way the board looks like it's falling, I'd be hard pressed to think that they, if they were interested in the quarterback, letting a quarterback slide, or if you get into the situation where uh, you know a Will Anderson falls. Uh, I'd be hard pressed to see them going with a spoon over Will Anderson there. Uh, Nick, any thoughts on uh, the Raiders or, or really anything you want to talk about here at all?
1: Well, you would have to have Seattle passing on Will Anderson. Uh, if we assume that the Texans and the Texans or the Cardinals, and we can't really make assumptions like this, but if we do assume that. Wilson will be one of those picks, whether it's at Houston at two or, or if the Cardinals stay at three. Well, then uh, it's really up to Seattle to take Anderson or a quarterback. And if they take a quarterback there, then, yeah, you Detroit – I think Detroit would definitely take Will Anderson over Witherspoon. But if Seattle doesn't take a quarterback there – uh, I don't know. I, I, I see Detroit taking Witherspoon over Jalen Carter uh, for one. And yeah, I'm not totally on the Jalen Carter's to Seattle train. Uh, different people have said yes. Different people have said no, that matter in the industry, but uh, overall, like as of now, I, I I don't, I have Carter falling a little further than five. Um. So yeah, I, I if Detroit, if Detroit, Sees Will Anderson there, then yeah, I think they're gonna take him. Otherwise, I do have him taking Witherspoon. But is it it is interesting? We're kind of seeing from a mocking perspective, we are kind of Witherspoon pigeonholed into pick six or seven. It almost feels like close to as 50-50 of a shot that mockers are gonna really have. And not a lot of these picks are really 50-50 shots, honestly. So that's gonna go a long way on kind of who lands on heads who lands on tails for that pick because it kind of unless there's obviously a chance that they could go quarterback or something like that and and you know stroud or whoever but it does appear at this point from a mocking perspective and even a betting perspective that uh with witherspoon is going to go either pick six or pick seven i agree with scott I i i do see the raiders as kind of his floor uh but there are ranges throughout this draft. We haven't even really discussed Anthony Richardson a lot yet, but like I was putting, I had to do an article for Action Network, and I was putting ranges on different players. And like Richardson's range is, in my opinion, like four to twenty-three at Minnesota, which is a ridiculous range and helps almost nobody. Uh, but but when you compare that to Witherspoon's, I think realistic range is probably six to seven. Could he go higher? Yeah, there are scenarios that happen, but realistically, uh, in all likelihood, I think 67, it's one of the more refreshing ranges in terms of mock drafting, I would say. No, that's a good, that's a good point.
2: Uh, what do you got, Connor? Yeah, no, I think Richardson, obviously massive range there. I think uh, the more I t- people I talk to, it's like, again, I like the under five and a half just because I think you're getting plus money or like, you know, around even money there. And I think that he's two good outs, but if he doesn't go there, I mean, there's just a chance that we're like way off. Like, you know, like we could just be like, we're here, heard smoke about Anthony Richardson, but you know, he could be, I mean, he's better prospect than Malik Willis, obviously. But like, I'm talking like, you know, that something like that would not be surprising at all. One thing I keep going back to, I hear it a lot, like the Jalen Carter stuff at five and six, I'm just so out on it. Like I, I'm, I have my mind set up. He's not going five or six and I'm, I will take any a- side action on it. I, I feel very strongly about it at this point. There's a seven and a half uh, at, you know, some shops plus money. I think I'm kind of interested in that too. Like, you know, obviously we talked about on the last show, but the more people we talk to and the more things like that, I just, I'm, I'm out on it. I think he's going way over his total. I think he ends up at they, that. Maybe the Eagles trade up for him at eight. I think that maybe they trade him for at seven. Um, and maybe if not, he'll follow the bears at nine, but I, I do not see him fi- falling past the bears at nine.
3: Um, you know, as far as, as as far as specifically Jalen Carter, my thoughts on it are this. I, I think there is like real heat. You know, you, you've you had those top guys and, and that, that's information that's coming from coaching staffs and, and some scouts and probably even some agents that he's not going to get past five or six. The chance is if he does get after six, my strong feeling is that you will see Philadelphia move up. I think Philadelphia values Jalen Carter more than any other team in this, in this draft. I, I think they have the, the resources set up for him to succeed with N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis there. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about a winning franchise that, that has pretty much a dynasty set up. I would expect them to win a Super Bowl here in the next five years. Um, the leadership that they have is a locker room that you would have a team, a, a player, who's got some issues like that probably fall in line behind the other team, but rest of the teammates and stuff like that. I wholeheartedly expect, and you can go ahead and talk Raiders at seven. You can talk Atlanta at eight, that if Jalen Carter makes it past six, that Philadelphia will be the team that moves up to take them.
1: Yeah. They have Fletcher Cox too, also for leadership as well. So Carter may not be expected to, you know, come in and dominate. And yeah, I like. That's another reason I think the Eagles really like Nolan Smith a lot because I think he won't be expected immediately to play with Brandon Graham and everyone there. They have a lot of leadership along the defensive line. You have a team that prioritizes defensive line, and like you said, the leadership from former teammate Scott. I totally agree. I think. I think at that, it really to me, I, the two teams I'm looking at are Chicago and Philadelphia. And the good news is that. It looks like the Eagles, if they were to make that jump, which I'll totally, I'll buy that. Uh, it looks like they would really only have to jump kind of one spot to go to Atlanta. I don't think the Raiders are in on Carter. And, it can't
0: be. We've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: so to me, you're just jumping Atlanta, and I think Atlanta's going to be very, very, I don't want to say eager, but accepting to moving back, considering who we've heard their targets are for me, for Atlanta, because we haven't talked about them a lot. Uh, for me, Atlanta is right now a three-horse race between uh, Bajon Robinson, Nolan Smith, and uh, Christian Gonzalez. And interestingly, I have Christian Gonzalez as being one of those players who's most likely to fall out of the top 10. Uh, I can see him going to the Raiders if Witherspoon's only in the scenario where Witherspoon's taken already before the Raiders. But so yeah, maybe they go Gonzalez there. But if not, let's say it's a three, let's say I'm accurate, which I'm usually not, but let's say I'm accurate, assuming that Atlanta really likes those three guys. They could easily take Nolan Smith and Bijan Robinson. And in fact, they probably are favored to do so. So could we see Gonzalez fall out of the top 10? I think that's one of the underplayed storylines right now, is that almost every mock kind of has. Or a lot of mocks have Gonzalez in the top 10. I'm struggling to place him. I don't know about y'all. I, I really am. Arizona in a trade back, Atlanta maybe, but they love Bajan and Nolan, I think. And then I don't know. Carter's going to go somewhere at nine or 10, so, or to the Eagles or Bears. So I don't know. I'm struggling to place Gonzalez. I don't know about y'all.
0: Scott and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, too. And, you know, Scott had mentioned that he felt like the floor was 11 for Gonzalez. Um, But assuming that that's a trade down partner where maybe that's Arizona and Tennessee, because really when you look at Tennessee, we could do the exercise with the Titans. Really the only thing that they have redeeming on their roster is they actually have a pretty decent, fairly young cornerback room. So I don't think Gonzalez is necessarily a Titans fit. Uh, Maybe he's in a fits to whoever the trade down partner is. Because the way I have it right now is and we're, I'm far out, right? We have 36 hours. I'm not locking into anything yet. I have him down to 14 to New England because right. you kind of run into a dead zone, right? The Patriots would take him. Um, but as far as like Green Bay, Houston, um, just mentioned Tennessee, like I don't feel like those are spots for them. So yeah, Gonzalez is definitely a, a viable outside the the top 10 play. As I mentioned earlier, that's one of those spots where if we get some of that Witherspoon news, the over under and how some of the things can be impacted. You know, Gonzalez is out there right now at eight and a half. I mean, seven is very, very live and something I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of if Witherspoon's going six. So we need a little bit more info before pulling the trigger there. But I'm circling back on what Scott was saying. That trade makes so much sense for me for Philly to get ahead of Chicago, knowing that they both want the same guy, knowing that Jalen Carter is is feel very certain that that's the preference of the Bears and the preference of the Eagles. And the Eagles just know that that's just not going to happen if they stay at ten, uh, so they have the ammo to make it work. Probably wouldn't be super expensive, and then theoretically that could check the other box where, you know, you don't have to take Bijan at eight, but you could take Bijan at ten. Uh, we've heard some reports that teams think Bijan's not falling outside of the top ten. That would still be fairly good for some of our bags as well. So yeah, I think Scott makes a a great point there as well. Uh, Nick, what other nuggets do you have here before we let you go?
1: Oh man, uh, are, we, are we keeping at the top ten here? Um, no, would-
0: go anywhere you want.
1: Anywhere I want. Okay, let's give some team. Uh, I guess we can talk about the teams and the teens here. Uh, the Green Bay, New England, that Jets range. I think Washington's a really interesting team as well. Uh, how, how high do you all see uh, Deontay Banks going? Uh, because I think he has a range uh, pretty from 16 maybe to Washington all the way to probably – um, maybe Baltimore, Minnesota would probably be the floor there. Where do y'all have banks,
0: Scott? You've had some stuff there where you've had some teams talking about being higher on banks than even Joey Porter Jr.
3: Yeah, um, I had had a, a in depth conversation with Ben Standard the other day. We sat and talked for a while, and you know, earlier in the process, I, I thought Washington really had a, a strong sense that they would not pass on, on Joey Porter, and after talking to Ben. You know, Ben reiterated that he doesn't necessarily think that Porter would be a, a scheme fit for what Washington wants to do defensively and how they want to play. I'd also heard through other channels that I think Deontay Banks is, is is higher on on that list for Washington than what Joey Porter is, and even Brian Branch. Um, I think Brian Branch would be an excellent fit for a number of teams. It's just the athletic testing that hasn't necessarily uh, worked out with a, a little bit of a slow 40 time. But I, I think Banks is definitely in play. Uh, I tend to think Washington is going to favor Darnell Wright, but I don't know that Darnell Wright falls that far down to him. So uh, I think Banks or, or Branch would be in play there for uh, Washington at 16. But when it comes to Banks, I think, I think you're right, right around that range. I think all the way down to, to 23 at Minnesota is kind of where I, I see maybe his, his floor, worst-case scenario, would probably be 25 to, to the Giants. But I think that's going to be his range, and I think you're going to be surprised where he falls and that he does get picked higher than what Joey Porter does in the end.
0: Scott, do we have anything on – I'm asking you off the cuff and you probably don't have it open. Uh, in terms of visits, you mentioned that the, uh, the, the Lions – in this scenario that we just talked about, the Lions are not taking Devin Witherspoon, which made me feel pretty good about pinpointing a corner to the Lions at 18. You mentioned Emmanuel Forbes having some visits there. Have they met with Banks um, do we have anything on visits with, with Banks and the Lions?
1: I don't have that in my notes here for the Lions. I don't have them meeting with Banks, but I could be corrected. But I do have a couple of notes about Lions beat writers saying that they would probably like uh, Deontay Banks at if they pass on corner there. He's definitely a high option for me at 18. Uh, and, and Forbes is up there, too. I I think that they would probably be favored banks over Forbes but I wouldn't be surprised either way cuz I know a lot of teams really like Forbes and a lot of teams need corners. I think I really do think Forbes is going to go uh probably prior to uh I really wanted to mock him at the Giants at 25 cuz I think it's a perfect fit for them but I think he's just going to end up going higher than that honestly. Um but but yeah, I mean D- Detroit's definitely interesting. Uh, for sure. I'm hearing stuff out of Detroit that uh, they are prioritizing guard. And and a lot of these people who are I'm getting a lot of Osiris Torrance uh, steam lately, based on what I'm reading, which I'm kind of surprised about because he's kind of been a quiet name throughout the process. Early on, like a month ago, he was mocked constantly in late round one to like the Bills and the Saints and other teams. But then he kind of fell out of round one. He kind of fell out of favor. And now I'm seeing more mocks. You know, Peter Schrager put him up there in the teens with one of his podcast mocks and a couple others I've seen lately. I feel like Torrance is gaining some steam. And the the Lions beat writers that I trust have pretty much unanimously said that, and there's only like two or three of them, but they pretty much unanimously said that, yes, Torrance, yes, Steve. Um, how do you pronounce his name? The, uh, Steve the, Avila? Yeah, Avila, the guard out of TCU. Yes, they're both going to be high high on the Lions boards, comparatively uh, speaking, like compared to other teams. So I don't know if the Lions maybe try to trade down from 18 and maybe take one of those guys in the 20s, but that's an option for them as well.
3: And just to uh, just look at over a the list, um, there's basically three cornerbacks that I think you're you're really looking at there. Um, we talked about Emmanuel Fourth, but Brian Branch is one of the other ones. And then, uh, you know, uh, old flag plant that you have there for you and Julius Brent has been another one that's getting, uh, let's go, there to, to Detroit. But, you know, to piggyback off of what, what Nick said, yes, both o- Osiris Torrance and Steve Avila have been connected there. And, and I heard that you, it would not be a shock should uh, they go ahead and take Avila that high. They're one of the only teams that that I have been able to pinpoint Avila going to in the first round, but he's another guy that's kind of racing up boards. And and it, it's just – it's one of those things that it's hard to to see an offensive lineman go that high. But when we start talking about teams that want to trade up and all the steam that you've been getting on Hendon Hooker, that's that's kind of an option and, and something that maybe you might see. So here's the
0: Brents thing that just clicked in my mind. Is that so, uh, Cleve TA had tweeted out something uh, yesterday about like – uh, both, like, GM's tendencies with premium positions. Um, and then in that graph, um, it also had, like, the relative athletic score of guys, too. So, like, how often do they take premium positions in the first two rounds over the last five years? Where do those guys rank in Raz as well? And Brad Holmes was number two in relative athletic score. Julius Brents was, like, 9'8" on his relative athletic score. He's like 6'3". He's, he's wild. Like, I joke about it with you guys. Like, I'll be stunned in a few years. We're going to look back that a team took Emmanuel Forbes over Julius Brents. But, uh you know, good luck to Forbes. I don't mean any ill will. But, uh you know, uh, the uh, upside for Brents seems – in the way that the NFL is played nowadays, with having to you know cover Travis Kelseys of the world, where you could put Brent's big body on a guy, I, I'm I'm excited about him. So yeah, that makes sense. Maybe if they don't, maybe that's a day two bet, maybe that we want to take a look at because uh, I do think the Lions have a, a pretty early pick there in the second round as well. So uh, interesting stuff. So yeah, counterpoint
1: to that is that Deontay Banks and Joey Porter also really long corners that also had great RAS scores. So I could, I, I mean Detroit could be in on them as well.
3: Yeah. One other thing I want to hit on real quick is, uh, you know, we had the the Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay uh, news come out yesterday and, and a lot's been talked about, but not enough, I think, as far as that pick swap goes. Um, and specifically with green Bay moving ahead of, of new England is what I'm looking at the most. And, uh, you know, I, I am leaning heavily that it's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba to green Bay, um, specifically there at 13, that pick swap, While it doesn't seem like it's that much to move up two picks. You have seen a, a lot of steam with, uh, you know, new England possibly going with wide receiver. It's definitely a need of theirs. And, and I don't think it's, it's any. You know, coincidence that that pick swap just happens to be right there in front of a team that may be interested in, in drafting a wide receiver. So that's one of the other things that I'm really kind of keying in on with Green Bay. I think it's down to Jackson Smith and Jigboard. And another player that I think could go to to New England is Lucas Van Ness. Both of those guys fit what they look for as far as traits, and I, I think both of those guys are are guys that New England would be interested in. So it's it's no small Coincidence that, that that pick movement of only two picks going up was thrown into the Aaron Rodgers deal.
0: I think that's a good call. The only, My only concern in this is that we have David Bakhtiari, who has been slowly deteriorating. Um, you know, London Jenkins couldn't stay healthy last year. You have the spot where uh, Skrvansky maybe doesn't meet some of the measurables. Like if a team is going to be. Tied up on arm length, I could see it being the Packers. They're definitely a a team that is looking at certain things. But, again, Skronsky one year kicks in the guard, and then you have a long-term option on the outside if you feel good about him. I don't think that that's off the table, but I think you make great points. We talked about it earlier. I think the JSN makes uh, a lot of points, and I don't think that they would make like an FU pick on purpose, but to to, like make a pick in the Aaron Rodgers trade for receiver – uh, I believe the internet would uh, would lose its mind a little bit, and I think it'd be uh, pretty entertaining. So,
3: It's uh, been it's an FU good. draft process the whole time, so why not make an FU pick?
0: Yeah, I don't Ryan,
1: that. Ryan, to your point, I think a lot of people are losing sight on the idea that, oh uh, yeah, they did jump New England. And yeah, I agree with Scott. I had, uh, at the time of the, the trade uh, yesterday, I had Jackson, Smith, and Jigba going to New England. So that was, I mean, that was my first thought. It's like, okay, well now, who am I mocking to Green Bay? Well, probably J- JSN. Uh, so it makes perfect sense. But I think a lot of people losing sighted, they don't just jump New England. They also jump the Jets. And to your point, Ryan, you're saying offensive tackle there. Who was definitely going to take a tackle was the New York Jets. So uh, yeah, it's possible. They're going to go after a high ras guy. So it's possible that, you know, Broderick Jones uh, could be high on their board. But yeah, I think we've pinpointed. I don't think they're taking a tight end. I already thought 15 was too rich for a tight end, but I, I certainly don't think it's happening at 13 Uh, So, yeah, to me, I think we've pinpointed the uh, the the needs there. I think defensive end to replace Rashawn Gary's torn ACL, not to replace Rashawn Gary, obviously, but to just kind of, uh, you know, help with that situation there. Similar to the way the Bills did taking uh, cornerback last year when uh, Trey White was coming off the ACL. Uh, And then you have offensive tackle because of uh, aging Bakhtiari and kind of uncertain future there. And then you also in the injuries and then you also have JSN and that's it uh so yeah it, it's 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 ot it's defensive end and it's jsn right now i do have jsn in my mock scott so that that's i'm in agreement with you right now that that's where i have him going
0: yeah i think scott laid that out pretty well uh what other nuggets you got nick anything else you want to give us
1: Uh um, uh nuggets i was reading on i was reading on jacksonville uh, uh a second ago not a lot of people talking about jacksonville Uh, I I think that Miles Murphy is a really interesting name because I'm noticing that Murphy is kind of, and Van Ness for that matter, kind of sliding down. I mean, obviously it's a false narrative saying they're sliding down boards because they're not, but sliding down mocks, I guess, uh, uh, mockers boards, if you will. Whereas Van Ness was constantly mocked uh, to Atlanta about a month ago at eight. Now we're seeing more scenarios where, especially if the Texans take a defender at two and they don't take Van Ness at 12, yeah, we're seeing a scenario where New England, Green Bay, possibilities for Van Ness. And if not, if they go JSN, Broderick Jones, respectively, then, um, or sorry, not respectively, then you're getting a situation where Van Ness is entering Detroit territory or or Tampa Bay or Seattle at 20. So uh, Miles Murphy's the same. Because if Van Ness gets pushed down, then Murphy's going to get pushed down as well. So I think that's kind of an interesting storyline. I'm seeing a lot of more mocks from higher, I don't want to call them higher-ups, but influential mockers, I guess, if you will, uh, the Schragers and stuff of the world that that are placing Murphy in the 20s now, uh, where that wasn't really the case uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so Seattle, to me, at 20 uh, is a possibility there. But I wanted to mention Jacksonville because I think that it's very possible. It sounds like a hot take now, but I I really do think it's possible that Murphy slides for some reason. Players that tend to slide, uh, at least in my history of kind of mocking the draft, are players that you can't really match up like with a perfect team. Like you're not hearing a lot of specific team interest to Murphy. And maybe you guys are. I'm hearing Seattle a little bit. Uh, but they may take a defensive lineman at five. So, in fact, they, odds are they probably do. So I'm not hearing a lot of teams that love Murphy. And the two teams that I really am hearing would take Murphy are the Jacksonville Jaguars at 24. And I also think, I'm not hearing this, but I think that he fits the profile of a saint as well. I, I think that the New Orleans Saints would be in on Murphy uh, at 29. But, again, those are teams in the 20s. And I find that a little, uh, I guess, disturbing for Murphy's outlook.
3: And one thing of note, Miles Murphy is training and doing all of his pre-draft stuff in Jacksonville. So yeah, that's another. You know, it's right down the road. I think they're going to be able to get all the information they want on him. And if you know Brian Brantz is another player that's been mocked to them, but may go earlier. I think Miles Murphy is definitely in play for Jacksonville.
0: And one of these guys feels like even though I think we feel like Baltimore's probably a cornerback team, if yeah. they sit and make that pick, that feels like a Van Ness or Murphy falling into Baltimore's lap and just being like, this guy shouldn't be here anymore, and they right. just take him, feels like a Ravens pick as well, right? We would just be right. like, how that's the hell did they, they get Miles Murphy? Last year. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, that's totally the Ravens.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, no, I wouldn't be surprised. They have a need at pass rusher as well. I do think corner and receiver are greater needs and I would actually put that I think I don't know if this is a hot take among the mocking community but I've tweeted a lot a a lot about this is that I really do believe based on just kind of going over all the team and I'm a big team needs guy I really do believe that teams tend to draft based on need more than experts like to admit and really going through the team needs when you include next year's contract situations I really think that Baltimore and um, and the Giants, who are constantly mocked receivers, I think they have a bigger need. Both of them have a bigger need of defensive back. I really do. I think if it's, if Forbes is on the board for either of those teams, I I think I'm going to take him probably over every receiver not named JSN.
0: I like it. Yeah, that's a good call for sure. I'll we'll probably see. end up, and I think that's kind of actually. I've I've one of those passes. I have Murphy falling to Baltimore now, but I it's just. I can see corner for sure. And the Giants, I feel the same. Although you're starting to hear a little bit of interior offensive line, which would be, yeah. I don't
1: know. It's Jordan it's, Renan said something about that, that they're high on uh, Barisi, which is interesting because I'm not getting a lot. Are y'all getting any Barisi love? I'm not really. I'm I think the Cowboys
0: make sense, but I, I don't, I don't know that they would do that over say a tight end or um, yeah, it's, He's one that could that could fall. I also think that the Saints make sense for him too. But yeah, this. yeah. Nick Underhill came
3: out today and, and and basically said after a little tape session last night he thinks Breezy's a good fit for uh, for New Orleans. So
0: yeah, they've lost so much up front. So they did. No, I definitely
1: have them going D line for sure. But I, I think there's other fits as well. So I, I don't know. I, I I could see New Orleans going several different players there. If it's not Buffalo, if it's not New Orleans, I, I'm having a tough tough time mocking even though i feel like he should go in
0: round one that's all right that's like that with i'm with Elijah cansey in that sense huh. like i don't know where he lands uh but there's just everyone's sure that he's a first round pick i just i have, I have I'm trouble not, finding I'm not. you're not yeah
1: <laughs> but yeah a lot of people are i think cincinnati at 28 is my top team for him uh but they have tight end concerns they have other they have corner the Forbes is there um uh, uh, yeah, uh, and Canty could go to as high as Detroit at 18. We didn't mention him, but they have a map <laughs> to the DT, and the, he could go as low as the second round. I think New Orleans would also consider him now.
0: All right. it's an hour. It's going to be a 40 minute show. This is, we do this. This is very easy for us to do. And you guys are still hanging with us too. So it's not like we're, you know, ruining your time. Uh, you guys are still kicking around with us. And I'm sure we could do this uh, all day. Connor, anything else you want to give to the folks uh, before we wrap up?
2: No, I think I have a couple ideas. I want to send you guys of official plays in our discord that will rip off uh, just based on our conversations here, but um, I'm going to try and finalize my mock draft for Thursday morning. Uh, I'm really having a tough time fitting in, these last like I think I have 12 guys here fighting for the last five spots that need to go in the first round. And I don't know, probably should you guys a message, to see where your ass heads are at because I am I'm struggling with a couple of the guys. Breezy was one of them. Just Jameer Gibbs, I started like slimming it down like Darnell Washington taking a hard stand, not going to the first round. Drew Sanders, Keon White, Dewan Jones. No. Uh, but like Quinn Johnston, I mean Jameer Gibbs, Henry Hooker. You know, does the team need a center? John Michael Smiths, Mozzie Smith, Osiris Torrance. Like, you know, these types of guys are all first-round locks. You know, like, how many oh, Just we- ask Camby. Look at Camby's odds on all these guys to go to the oh first round. God. Okay, for, oh, quick, quick rant before we hop off here. The people are, like, tweeting out, like, oh, well, this player is minus 300 to go in the first round. This is a one-way market. It does not work like that. It's, like, you have to... The no-vig prices on these are just, like, way different than, like... We're seeing minus 300 on, like... Minus 400 on see to be a first round pick. I mean, I would say it's probably 50 50 at this point. Like he's not minus five, 400. You know, so like that, like there's no no to bet. That's the point is you can't bet a no on these guys right now. So obviously, any time that I need these numbers are bet, they just go up and they never move down. So like it's kind of yeah, no.
3: and they're they're steaming both sides of the lines with a lot of these picks, and it, it's right. just getting to a point where a lot of these lines are even unbettable.
0: Yeah. On well, some of the, in the first round market, there is no other side of the line. They just, this one side, it just keeps going up and it's like, well, wait a second. It's not how any of this works at all. So uh, Nick really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing the insight with us again. Uh, folks are not familiar. Like, you know, yeah, this Nick's got like accomplishments behind him. He has other jobs, but he, this is not like casual for him. He's done very, very, very well. Top six uh, at uh, the NFL mock draft database the last three years in a row so like not not cumulative. Last year.
1: no uh, no so i think scott uh, definitely so beat last year the three, three years, years previously three years prior to that i did really well uh last year i think it was like 19th. um oh, uh come on, man. But, but yeah i appreciate you ha- I, it's been awesome guys it's been awesome to get to know you guys and this is an honor to be on this show this is awesome
3: yeah one thing that i want to hit on right now look if you're watching the show you follow any of the stuff that we do anything draft wise all the big names Nick is the most criminally underfollowed draft analyst on Twitter. So do yourself a favor. If he's not in your follows, he needs to be on a short list for draft coverage. Go ahead and give him a follow. If he's not at a thousand by the time the draft hits, then something's wrong with everybody who's watching this show.
0: At Fantasy Law Guy on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and, and remedy that. So again, Connor's talking about us pushing through some picks in the Discord. Five dollars, guys, five bucks for three months. You should just get the year. You're going to get all of Scott's MMA stuff again. We're still NBA playoffs. Uh, we get you know deep into the weeds when it comes to the NFL season. Obviously, it's our bread and butter again. If you're doing season long best ball, you know, any of the redraft high stakes stuff, we do a bunch of that in the FFPC streets and stuff like that as well. Uh, betting subscription gets you access to all of it. We have an insane uh suite of tools that can help you again you know, teach you to fish, so it's not just showing up. And, uh, you know, tailing the bets or, you know, drafting off of our rankings or projections, you can go ahead and make some of those informed decisions by yourself, all in one place, 444.com slash plans, or go into the app store, download Vivid. Uh, Vivid is a pick a map again, Uh, you you know, parlay. Unfortunately, we don't have draft bets in there. I wish you did, but, you know, $5 minimum deposit, promo code 444bet, and you get a three month betting sub, get a little taste of all that we're doing, five bucks super cheap guys. So, uh, again, appreciate next time. Uh, Scott, Connor, and myself will be back tomorrow at, uh, I believe five o'clock, five o'clock Eastern for central with, uh, Anthony and Miko, uh, which again, t- taking another teacher, uh, out of his realm of like, you know, post-school work, lesson planning time, grading time to talk NFL draft props with us as well. Uh, again, looking forward to, um, Well, I don't know. I know all of Amiko's thoughts, but I'm looking forward for (laughs) you to hear all of Amiko's thoughts and to share those with the world. So uh, good times as always. So for Nick, Connor, and Scott, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.